Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 22? At this time of year, I like to take at least a few Sunday sermons to contemplate more deeply the cross of Jesus Christ. This season leading up to Passion Week and finally Resurrection Sunday is a very appropriate time to consider together what our Lord suffered in our place. And several months ago, I felt led to study Psalm 22 for this year's cross series. Because more than any other psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 22 captures the experience of our Lord at His crucifixion. This is the psalm that was on His lips as He bled and died for us and for our salvation. Psalm 22. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? That's the first line of Psalm 22, and it's not the last one that was fulfilled at the cross. Isaiah 53, maybe, is the only passage stronger, more vivid in your Old Testament to depict the coming suffering of the Messiah. Psalm 22 is either tied with Isaiah 53 or a very close second. Not that it's a competition. Today I want to do something a little different and a little difficult. I want us to go back in time and read Psalm 22 like an Old Testament believer would. Because before Jesus fulfilled this psalm, King David lived it. This psalm was written by King David, I believe, about his own experience in the first place. He wrote it to be sung by other believers. It's a psalm set to the tune of Doe of the Morning. Anybody know that one? We don't know how that song sounded, but it was probably a sad tune in a minor key. Because its lyrics are incredibly sad. Any song that begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? is going to start out at least low and slow. So what I want to do is to consider this psalm from David's own experience first. As the author and the first singer. And then next time, we'll consider it more closely from Jesus' perspective as the ultimate singer of Psalm 22. Next time, we'll turn to Matthew chapter 27 and see how this song played out in the crucifixion of our Lord. How it was the soundtrack for His crucifixion. But this time, I want us to see it as the template for our own prayers during times when we feel abandoned, when we feel alone, like David did. Now, it's almost impossible for a Christian to not hear Jesus and see Jesus in every line of this song. And that's right, because He is there. This is a prophetic psalm. In fact, few are more prophetic. Maybe Psalm 110 is more prophetic than Psalm 22. Not that it's a contest. But I think that this psalm was first off about how David felt before it was about how Jesus felt. 
There are a lot of things like that in the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament is full of shadows, but Christ is the substance. The Old Testament is full of lesser things, and Christ is the greater. The Old Testament is full of figures and metaphors and types and analogies, and Christ is the big reality that all those smaller things had been pointing towards. So it is with Psalm 22. David was feeling God-forsaken, God-forsaken, David. And then Jesus truly was. Let's pray together and then consider Psalm 22. Father, our service has been upbeat and joyful, starting with clapping and singing and praises for a successful missions trip and new babies born. And now we have to turn to a darker theme. We have to contemplate suffering and pain, hurt and fear. And yet you're in it. You're just as in this. In fact, you are speaking to us in this. Give us ears to hear. Give us ears to hear Psalm 22 and the ability, when we need it, to sing it ourselves. We pray this in the name of the one who fulfilled it perfectly. Amen. You and I don't like to talk like this psalm talks. We don't like to use words like this psalm uses, especially when we're talking to God. One reason for that is that we don't like to feel bad. Anybody like to feel bad? I need to talk to you after the service. And these words are all about feeling bad. We Americans especially don't like to feel bad. We'd all rather sing Psalm 23 than the psalm that comes right before it. Psalm 23 is so comforting. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 22 is so not comforting. But we need both. Because there are times when we need to lament. We need the biblical language of lament for those times when we are experiencing suffering. I'm so glad that God has given us language like this to use to express our true feelings. Because friends, there are times when you've got to pull out songs like Psalm 22 and put them to work. If you have never felt like Psalm 22, just wait. You just haven't lived long enough. Psalm 22 is for times of trouble, bewildering trouble, when it feels like God is far, far away. And you feel awful, and you feel alone. When you feel like that, you need words to pray. You need a pattern to pray. And as good as Psalm 23 is, it's not enough. If it was enough, then God would have skipped 22 and gone right to 23. But God is greater and wiser. He's given us all of the Psalms to learn how to talk to God. This morning, I only have two points I'm going to make because I don't want to get in the way of the words of this Psalm. 
But there are two big applications I want to get across as we read it together. Here is the first one. Talk to God when you feel forsaken. Now, I think that's really big. I mean, it it kind of sounds simple, but I think it's really big because you won't necessarily feel like it. Well, you'll feel alone and you won't feel like talking to God. When, when you feel like somebody's abandoned you, do you feel like talking to them? You feel like shutting them out. But these psalms of lament, like Psalm 22, show us what a believer does when he or she is hurting badly. They take that pain to their Lord. Whenever I read verse 1, I almost miss the most important words in verse 1. I hear the word, why? Right? I hear that word. It's strong. It jumps out. And I hear that word, forsaken. That's a strong word. Those are important words. But what are the words I often miss? My. My God. My God. He says it again in verse 2. My God. David doesn't stop relating to God because he's bewildered and confused and in pain. He goes to God with his bewilderment, confusion, and pain. He takes his agony and his anguish directly to his God. Let's read it. Psalm 22, for the director of music, to the tune of the doe of mourning, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. Are there more painful words? Those are jagged words. That word groaning in verse 1 is the same word as the roaring in verse 13. What the lions do in verse 13 This suffering David is doing in verse 1. He is hurting so bad, it's like a primal yell. He feels abandoned and alone and in pain and forsaken. Like God is no longer answering his calls. God, I called to you day and night, but you keep swiping left. I think my number is blocked. Have you unfriended me? All I get is a blank wall. My prayers go nowhere. They hit the ceiling. They bounce back. I'm all alone. Now he knows that God exists. He's talking to him. But God is so silent. And God is allowing him to go through so much pain and so much suffering. What's going on? Verse 3. Yet... You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. He's saying, I know you exist. I know you saved people. I know what you did for Israel. I've read Exodus. Our ancestors were not disappointed, but God, that's how I feel. Verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man. I feel like I've lost my humanity. 
scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. You see Jesus in there, don't you? I do too. We don't know exactly when in David's life he felt like this. Remember when we studied David's life a few years ago in 1st and 2nd Samuel? David was constantly on the run. He was a fugitive, first from his king and then from his son. And people were always out to get him. And sometimes he was in shame. Here he doesn't just feel forsaken by God, but by men as well. Maybe it was one of those times when he was sick. And everybody thought he was about to die and his enemies were gloating over him. Like the alligators circling. All he's got to do is fall out of the boat. Whatever it was, it was hard. And he felt forsaken. David knows that he had never been forsaken before. That God had always been there with him. Verse 9, Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. There it is again, right? My God. All of his life, Yahweh had been David's God. God has been so faithful to him. But I just don't understand. That's not how it seems now. Right now, I feel so alone. Verse 11. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near and there is no one to help. See, he's asking God to change it. He hasn't given up on God even when he doesn't understand Him. Sometimes we read this language of lament and we think they're just whining. Or maybe they've just given up. He's not given up, but he doesn't get it. And he's taking all of that to God. And he pleads for God to come near. Because that's where the trouble is. God's far away, but the trouble is near. Do you need to pray verse 11 right now in your own life? It doesn't say what the trouble is. We know what the trouble was for Jesus. But we don't know what it was for David. So we can fill in our own blank there for us. Maybe it's sickness, cancer, heart disease, arthritis, MS. Maybe it's grief. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe it's conflict, a breakup, a divorce. Maybe it's abuse, some kind of trauma that you've experienced. Maybe it's just plain old loneliness or unanswered prayer. You feel scared, alone, abandoned, afraid, ashamed. Don't run away from God with those feelings. Run to God with those feelings. And don't stop. Remember what Zeke said up here last week? Pray and don't lose heart. But you don't have to pretend that it's all hunky-dory. 
You don't have to grin and bear it and fake it until you make it. No, you run to God with all of those feelings. Run to the God of Psalm 23, yes. But run to the God of Psalm 22 as well. He's the same God. Lament. Talk to God when you feel forsaken. Don't just say, I know He's near. He's omnipresent. So that means He's here. And He said He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Say to Him, help me to feel it. Help me to know it. Help me to see it. Help me to experience it. My God, do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there's no one to help. Go ahead and tell him just how bad it is. Verse 12. That's what David does. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open. Their mouths wide against me. Friends, this is figurative language. It's possible that he's actually being attacked by bulls and lions, but I doubt that here. I think these are bad guys who want to take David down. And this is the way they make him feel like he's being attacked by bulls and lions. It's scary. Have you ever been scared? I remember the night before my big surgery, how scared I was. And I called Heather, and I laid out my fears about what might happen when I was on the table. And I cried on the phone. Roaring lions tearing their prey open, their mouths wide against me. Verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It's melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. I'm falling apart here, God. And where are you? Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. I know. I see Jesus there too. We'll glory in it next time. How perfectly He filled up these words. But do you see how David felt back then? Like he was surrounded and trapped and wounded. Like dogs had bit into his hands and into his feet. What Marilyn experienced last summer. And it seems from this wording that his enemies expect David to die so they'll walk away with the clothes off his back. That's how bad it's gotten. There's going to be a fire sale soon. He feels like a Jew in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. He's just a bag of bones. He's, he feels like he's dying here. And worst of all of that, he feels alone. So he cries out to God, verse 19, but you, O Yahweh, be not far off. O my strength, 
Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. Undo all of this, Lord. Please. The dogs, the lions, the bulls. Save me. I've only got this one life. Please. We need to learn to talk that way to God. It's not the only way we talk to God. But it's a good way. A wise way. An authorized way. A Jesus way. Now the psalm turns a major corner between verse 21 and verse 22. Some of you have versions in which they make it really clear that God has answered the psalmist's prayer in verse 21. It says something like, you've answered me. And that's a very possible translation of the Hebrew. But I tend to think the NIV is right here that David just anticipates that answer. And then he just expects God to show up and deliver him as requested. He hasn't actually seen that deliverance yet, but he believes that it's on the way. And so point number two of two, he plans to praise him. Plan to praise your Lord when he answers your prayer. Verse 22, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Sounds different all of a sudden, doesn't it? I wonder if Doe of the Morning transposes into a major key at this point and becomes a faster song or, or a bold anthem instead of a sad ballad. This would be the part where we would love to join in with the song. David, in faith, expects God to answer his prayers. He expects God to save him. He declares what he knows, even if he doesn't yet feel it, that God has not despised or disdained or scorned or ignored him or his afflictions. No matter how it feels, God has not hidden His face from David, but has listened to his cry for help. Now this is not pretending that all is well. He's just saying the first 21 verses. This is not faking it until he makes it. This is, this is believing the good news after singing honestly how bad things feel. This is taking heart Because Jesus has overcome the world, even though in this world you will have trouble. David plans to praise God someday soon because he believes in God's promises. Even the ones he cannot yet feel. Verse 25, From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. I promise to praise you. The poor will eat and be satisfied, and they who seek the Lord will praise Him. May your hearts live forever. And not just me, not just in Israel, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families, all the nations will bow down before Him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. Everybody. 
All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before Him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, from the smallest to the greatest, every knee will bow. Posterity will serve Him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim His righteousness to a people yet unborn, for He has done it. David goes big there at the end, doesn't he? He swings for the fences. David expects God to win his present case and in every case and to be worthy of all of our praise, all of the praise of the world forever and ever. David believes that God will solve every problem and right every wrong and answer every prayer of his people. So we're back to Jesus, aren't we? You can't get away from him in this psalm. Did Jesus expect to praise God in this way? Did Jesus expect God to answer His prayer? Yes, He did. But the answer, the vindication, the accomplishment, the solving of the problem was on the other side of His death. Jesus didn't get a last second reprieve like David did here. David lived to write the psalm. Jesus had to live again to sing the end of it. Jesus had to actually go through death to get to see this glory. It was for the joy set before Him that He endured the cross, despising its shame. But He fully expected God to answer His prayer and plan in advance to thank Him before the whole world when He did. You and I need to do that too. Whatever you're going through right now, no matter how bad it is, talk to God about it. Take Him your whole self, including your true feelings, no matter how ragged they are, no matter how jagged the words are, He can handle it. He invites it. In fact, He wants all of you just as you are. Don't kind of get yourself all cleaned up before you come. Stick those emotions in a back drawer before you show up before the Lord. Bring the whole thing. Bring Him the whole blistering mess. And also decide in advance to bring Him big praise when He gets you through it to the other side. Tell God that you plan to tell everyone and their brothers, best friends, cousins, dog about what the Lord has done. Posterity will serve Him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim His righteousness to a people yet unborn. For He has 